from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode three hundred and ninety-six. Oh boy! Today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Wow, that oh boy just made me realize what you were oh boying, mm-hmm. and I'm oh boying the fact that we have not done any work. We've <laughs> we've been distracted. <laughs> we've been distracted. We've had a lot going on these past few weeks. Distracted isn't. I mean, I guess technically sure distracted, but yeah, just busy, right? Like all kinds of things going on. Well, we were supposed to be planning for episode four hundred, having the Kickstarter already live, and then we had to upend it, and then we re-ended it again. It's been a whole mm-hmm. situation over these last few weeks. Yeah, then there's, you know, the whole work and life things, you know, we don't, you know, we're not in this Google Doc, you know, 40 hours a week trying to, to manage the, the Panatic podcast. Oh, I just right. like so to read over what you write over and over and over again. It's how I go oh, to sleep I thought, every day. I thought that meant the episode 400 doc was written already. No? no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which, uh... That snuck up on me again. Um, kind of like this whole uh, this whole Panatic Kickstarter project snuck up on me, Mike. Um, even though it was delayed for good reason and is now on the right track. So this week in Kickstarter land, in Panatic Kickstarter land, the Retro Fifty One plan is in effect. We are moving forward. If you've listened to the last couple episodes, you can catch up on all the details. So what I wanted to do, have ready for this week, was a form. I have a Google form. Where you can go, and I've listed out, I think it was 55 different top disc slash finials, whichever terminology you would like to call them. Retro 51 likes to call them top discs in their documentation. I, we refer to them as finials. They are interchangeable words. But I put in 55 of what I could find basically online through Retro's documentation and um, going back several years worth of their limited edition releases. I didn't put any like store custom ones in. I think, you know, if people are like really adamant about like some of these designs, like the pink robots is going in, right? That's a Panatic specific one, but that's not in the drop down list. If there's something in these drop down lists that you would like to see added or want me to just add to the sheet or take a look at as a design possibility, um, you know, you can take a look at this. You're going to have to do some manual work on this. Um, most of our chat room is lazy. So they would like to just have all the magic happen when you click on a link and you see a picture of that. Not even Retro 51 has all that imagery. So <laughs> you're just going to have to find what these look like yourselves. So hopefully, hopefully you're already a Retro 51 user, consumer. You have some favorites. You can look at them and say, hey, I want the I want Dinosauria on there, or I want Vintage Surf on there, and you can pick these out and add them to the list. So this is just a way to get five uh, choices in there to kind of give me a head start on filling out 51 or 50 finial designs for the pin we're going to create. So, which means most of these are going to make the list, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we have 55 that you can choose from, there's 50 going in, but there yeah. isn't exact. We're not gonna take just from these 55 as you said right that there is some there's been some seeding going on um where i have made some choices you've made some choices there are some that are limited and uh so they'll be going in so basically if you just effective if you have a couple of retro 50 ones that you really love um find out what they're called put them in the drop down list and send them to us uh but don't feel obligated because we're making it anyway and we can very easily just knock four of these out but what I would really like is to see like a really good coalescence of the top ten or twenty. That's a good just point. to make yeah. sure 
just to make sure that those are represented in the overall big picture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we don't we don't have to do this list at all. We could just go pick them out. But I'd like to get, you know, a small number of the most favorites from the listenership and the reading audience. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll post this everywhere just so we get a good representation. And like, I don't need a full ranking of the 55, right? I want to know what are the, the 10 or 20, like really ones that we have to have on the final design. So we're working on that. Um, the down payments made, we're locked in. So we're good to go. Now we just need to get the Kickstarter written, published. Um, I need to get pricing from them, right? I can't publish a Kickstarter until I know how much this pen's going to cost. So I can make sure we have um, the pricing set accordingly. And I'm going to at least start working on writing it up this weekend while I'm waiting on pricing. So it might be pricing is going to be tough, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't have a final design, right? It's based on final design and colors. Well, we're going to have to do a best guesstimate, guesstimate on this. So we'll see. I'm a little nervous about that, but it'll be fine in the end. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, is the Platinum Curios getting there, Mike? I, I feel like this has been a roller coaster ride, and I thought we would have been done talking about this by now, but we're not because it's always something with the Curios. And the latest thing is the MSRP. Um, what's the correct word? Adjustment um, that Platinum corporation is forcing down the pipeline to all the way down to the retailer so they're I feel like we made this happen because on <laughs> last week's episode i questioned the point of having the msrp if nobody follows it about when yes. talking about the curadas right i mean that's a question in retail in general right mm-hmm. so without being you know an economist or someone who studies the retail market completely MSRPs just seem like this nebulous thing, right? They're listed by these manufacturers as the suggested retailing price, but that manufacturer then hands that off to a distributor, and then that distributor relays that information along with the pricing to their retailers. And usually the distributor has an agreement with the retailer based on the various manufacturers they work with, how much percentage off they can sell. Um, under the MSRP in the fountain pen world, um, it's not consistent with everyone, but a lot of times, most fountain pens you see at retailers are 20% off MSRP, mm-hmm. right? So if the pen is $80 in the case of the Curados, the retailers would sell it for $64. They get that information from the distributor and then the retailers all price it the same, right? It's, yep. you know, it's just like this balance thing, right? That's how it's generally done. So, what Platinum did last week, or actually just earlier this week, they notified the U.S. distributor, and the U.S. distributor passed it along to the retailers that the retailers had until Wednesday, which is the day we're recording, to adjust their prices on the site to the full 100% of MSRP, which is $80. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problem with pricing something at MSRP and selling it at that, but it's the lack of consistency in the messaging that is the problem here, right? Because if you pick out, you know, our our favorite sponsor, Pen Chalet, right? You go, you can go to the site and you can look up a Curios and I'm not looking at, maybe their price is implemented. Maybe it's not yet. I haven't looked, but you can, I verified on other sites and that have made the change. The Platinum Curios 
is full MSRP. The Platinum 3776s are 20% off MSRP. What message are they sending? It sounds like Platinum is trying to stick it to me, even though they're not, right? Platinum's enforcing an MSRP, but they're not consistent in the enforcement. And that's where I start to question things. Right. So my question on this is, why? Why are they doing this? Now, like, let's not say like, oh, they're being stupid or whatever, right? Like, let's assume that they are being logical in some way, right? Why are they forcing this MSRP on retailers? Why are they making people pay full price for this pen? I, I, I don't know because as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't change Platinum's bottom line. Right? So Platinum is sending a bill to the distributor. That doesn't change. So let's just say for, for um, pretend purposes. So the Curidos MSRP is $80. And they're sending a bill to um, the distributor for $40. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's whatever the final price is doesn't affect what the distributor's paying for it. And then Platinum's still enforcing that on the end retailer, which I should should have the most liberal abilities to price the products within a, the range that the, the, the corporation's setting. So like this doesn't affect Platinum's bottom line. Do they have a perception of this pen that they want to make it, you know, fixed at that certain price point? Like, is it a perception thing? Like... Platinum doesn't make more money because they're enforcing the MSRP, right? I mean, they just don't. No, they don't. So I, I don't know why it's important for this one pen to sell at 100% of MSRP when the rest of them sell at 80%. But what if this is the start of a change? I mean, that's fine. Like, I have no problem if a company says we sell at full MSRP. That's cool. Yeah. Like, you can do whatever you want. That's yeah. fine. Like, I would prefer that, right? Why yeah. should there be two prices, right? No one believes, at least in our industry, MSR, no one pays MSRP for a product, generally, right? All the, your Pelicans you buy, your Auroras you buy, you know, whatever. Your Platinums, your Platinums, your Pilots, all that stuff. No one pays that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this... I think it's probably just like this old school mentality in the way pricing set. And I'm, this is me just riffing on not knowing what I'm talking about, but I think it's just an old school mentality to where you were the manufacturers and distributors were able to, you know, have these pricing oddities to, you know, just allow for different manipulation of the prices. And I don't mean manipulation in a negative way. You know, I mean, in an end result, you know, when you sell something for 50% off, well, mm-hmm. then it's 50% off the MSRP when really it's only 30% off because you were already selling the pen for 80% off to begin with, right? See, what, personally, I'm okay with this because I find the MSRP thing just and we were talking about it last week, just at a fundamental level, just ridiculous. Right. Right. Either have a price and pay for it and charge it, or don't have a, like, or just like, we'll just pick whatever price we want. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, you know, whilst I understand that this might make some things a little bit more expensive, um, I personally feel like 
standardizing around this wouldn't be the worst thing to happen. No, so, no. Because then everybody gets more money, right? Like, it supports right. all of the retailers. Because, you know, like, the thing is, is, like, when when everyone's doing these discounts, their margin they have to cut their own margins, right? Yes. Like, the only person losing is the retailer. Everybody else is winning. The, di- the distributor's winning. Platinum's winning. The loser is the distributor, right, in the business sense, and then potentially the customer as well. Um, so yeah, well, I think it's, this. It's, I think it benefit. It benefits the retailer because now their decisions made for them, and in something like the Curidos, they're going to still sell all of them at no. That's what I mean. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it benefits okay. the retailer this time. It's it's typically yes. a negative by them having to like, for example, if Penchalet brings the price down by ten percent, then so does Anderson Pens, so does Goulet right. Pens. Like everyone has to follow suit. So like, right. then you end up with potentially a bigger retailer that can stomach the price change more easily, bringing it down, and then everybody else has to follow and maybe they can't afford those margins as much. Correct. Right? So I feel like this is a, this is a pen now where they're going to sell out and everyone's going to make more money out of it. Like, I actually don't think it's the worst case scenario here. Well, I, I don't. I don't. But it's just... it. But I agree with you that it is like a weird thing for Platinum to have done. It's a timing and perception and an inconsistency thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just try to wrap my head around that. In the end, it's not a big deal. Like, the the one that gets hurt the most is is the consumer because we're not going to get it at the what we would traditionally expect for a price. But if our expectation is now, well, we should pay full MSRP, then, you know, the market will adjust accordingly. Yeah, but and I would say as well, like, this pen is not such a level that the, ch- the change is, like... It was monumental. What's it going for? Sixty dollars to eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sixty sixty four to eighty. Which I feel like you know, if you were going to drop sixty on this pen, you can yeah. do eighty two. Right, would be my expectation for most people. Yeah, I poked over in the European market, and their prices are even higher. So, like, I don't. It's this whole regional pricing discussion. Um, that is just you know boggles my mind when if mm-hmm. I try to think about it too hard. Like a cult pens, I want to say it's around. It's over ninety pounds. I want to say ninety five pounds. But that's honestly, Brad. That's what that's I would have expected VAT. to pay VAT, for it. Though, yeah. like that doesn't surprise me. If it if it was like eighty ninety dollars in America, then I expect it to be eighty yeah, yeah, ninety dollars yeah. in the UK because right. we have our VAT and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. All right. A couple more things on this. Um, the biggest thing that came out of this yesterday when I was talking about it on Twitch is like. Well, people who were just holding off to wait and see now feel like they have FOMO having to buy the pen, knowing that the price is going to increase, you know, 20, 25%, whatever that increase is, um, and are getting FOMO'd into making these purchases. You know, that's not the worst thing in the world. Wait, so it's not an ex- you can't, is it people, nobody's bought it yet though, right? Pre, every, a lot of sites have pre-orders up. So what are they going to do? They've... They're still paying less. They're not losing money. They they've accepted orders for sixty four dollars up until today. Today the price is eighty dollars. So, but are they so going to be able to honor those? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because they because they were only following their retailers are only following the rules set forth by the distributor. The distributor is only following the rules set forth by the manufacturer. Right, but it seems peculiar to me that it's like, but we're gonna follow that rule from today like why not then say you you can't sell this pen for this price well they did and then they gave them but since they had already allowed a pre-sell 
Right. Like, so... Yeah, yeah. This is... I'm not putting anything on the, the distributor, which is I actually luxury, think luxury that brands that in the US. In every, on when, everyone's part, pretty fair, right? That they've said... Yeah, totally. We've changed our minds on this, but you mm-hmm. can still honor your purchases. I actually think... I wouldn't have expected that. I would have kind of been like, well, no one told you to do it. You decided to do that, so now it's on you. That's how I would have imagined that going, mm-hmm. right? Where they're like, well, you decided to do pre-orders. We didn't tell you to do that. Well, this is all you agreed know? on beforehand, right? Yeah, okay, the, sure. the retailer cannot post a pre-sale date that is ahead of whatever the distributor has provided as right. that resale date and time. And with that provision, they've also provided the price. And at yep. the time... It was priced like every other platinum at twenty percent off MSRP. Mm-hmm. Well, now platinum says that has to change. The biggest the biggest argument in this is it's this single pin, right? Change them all or don't change them all. Why yeah. is this one different? Um, but and, but no one's making more money except the retailers, which is fine. Like I'm, I would rather the retailers make the most money. To be perfectly honest, right? I wouldn't so. be surprised if this is a test on platinum's part. Like, that they are aware that this pen should, in theory, be pretty popular. So why don't we see if we can charge MSRP for it? And if we do, then we're going to enforce that across our entire product line. That's something I agree with completely. I think Platinum is placing a bet based on the pre-orders for this pen that it's going to do exceptionally well, no matter what they sell it for. So they're so just I think like, they're, screw I think it, they're let's make the most money we can make out of this. But they're not, they're, again, they're not making the money. They are. It is not changing their bottom line. Okay, this is very confusing, isn't it? Well, everyone, Pla- you know. Well, I guess then, if you're a retailer, Platinum originally sold the pins to the distributor based on whatever percentage of the MSRP. Mm. Hmm. It's not changing how much money Platinum makes. Mm-hmm. Is as best as I understand mm. this, and I could, I, I'm, I could be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong in this case. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> This pen, man, this pen is a hot mess in the best this, way possible. This is like visionaire scribble pen, but with a good pen. <laughs> right. Right, which is the funniest thing about it. It's like there's all this weirdness and drama over what ostensibly seems to be like a good product. Right. So let's let's talk about that. Our good pal, Mike Dudek, got a review sample. Did you get a chance to read through and, and kind of Brad, I get read his this thoughts as on soon as I saw it, right? <laughs> right, immediately. Like, everyone wants to know everything about this pen. Right. It's like, I've, okay, first I tweeted it, then I yep. went and read it myself. Yeah. And um, I'm really going to need to get this pen in hand because Mike brings up a couple points that you can't totally nail down in pictures, right? The in-hand feel and where some of the um, some of the shapes hit in the barrel for just the way the mechanics of the pen work. I have never hit a roller coaster as quickly in a pen review as I did with this one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Yes. Where you can remove the clip, right? They even give you a tool to remove the clip, but then it's left of this little plastic piece. That's, yeah. It's, I mean, we're going to have to get this in hand. Yeah. I, I genuinely think that with the clip removed, this will be a more comfortable experience for me than the um, vanishing point. Mm-hmm. Partly because the vanishing points clip goes significantly lower down the pen, which is it. I reckon is going to be like in my. That's kind of like where I hold. I hold quite low, right. So I think that this pen is going to be pretty comfortable for me. Maybe even with the clip, but I think the pen actually looks better without the clip. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the funny thing is that plastic part that remains is like a plastic part which which protrudes from the pen uh, to to attach the clip to that would then be a roll stop, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Although it seems it's to an... already have another one, but right, right. So it's definitely going to be uh, definitely be funny. So, I'm just yeah. about this pen, man. I've oh, I'm I like, I've taken a one eighty on this. Like it's I'm <laughs> so, I'm just so intrigued about it, and so uh, it's not this conversation is not ending because. By next week's episode, I will have gone to that launch event. Right. So that's later this week. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Like Friday, Saturday, something. It's yeah. So week, you're yeah. gonna you'll get one before I do. Well, right? I don't know I'm if not I'm gonna be able to buy or... it. I don't know about that. I assume <sighs> I assume I will be able to, but I don't know what this event's gonna be like. Yeah, I would assume so. But yeah, that would be weird if you couldn't purchase one. I will try significantly hard to walk away with one of those pens outside yeah, of stealing yeah. it like i will do everything i can to to have one for next week's episode but even if i haven't i will have extensive testing time yeah which means we're not done talking about this yet no no this is a this is like honestly this pen you know i remember when we first started talking about vanishing point right like that was mm-hmm. like multiple weeks of conversation which ended up with me and you both owning one like right and this is a really exciting entry like for for a bunch of different reasons because it's like there's a, there's a lot of questions around it and there's more intrigue there's like more and more intrigue like why did they make it clear plastic why yeah. does the knock spin right like it was, it was like kind of forgotten about that and mm. i was like dude i love your review but you didn't talk about the mechanism Right. Well, he probably had to break it. No, but like it the, he didn't talk about like the 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 click knock and twist. The th- the thuddiness of well, it. I I know I'm because it like it 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 twists right, and and yeah. I wanted to see hear more about that. <laughs> he spent a lot of time talking about the the nib and the way that the nib functions and stuff, right? Like how it comes yeah. out of the pen. But like the whole point of this pen. Its whole reason for existing is the knock, knock, twist, knock, knock, twist, right? <laughs> and I want yeah. to know more about that. So. <laughs> Isn't this fascinating that we can spend twenty minutes on a on a single pen? Yep. Like I love this. I I genuinely love this. You know, listeners may get tired of like this nah. specific conversation, but I thoroughly enjoy just like thinking about this. Um, you know, even though it's you know just patently ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So a moment ago, I went to Panchalhe. Our favorite friends at Pencilay, not sponsoring this episode, mm. but I went there to get the link to put in the show notes for mm-hmm. the Curitas. Mm-hmm. And they have a new pro gear mm-hmm. that I have not seen, seen yet called the Lucky Charm, which is a very light blue, clear acrylic demonstrator pro gear. Mm. What's this one all about? <laughs> Where did, where'd you come from? It's... um. You know how they do the North, North American limited editions? So nice. like 4, 4 a.m., you know, the 4 a.m. Yep. one. Uh, this one's great. Yeah. I, I thought we talked about this. Maybe we didn't talk about no, this. No, I haven't seen it before. Yeah. Because I was talking about the the color ranges of blues that they've been putting out. I was like, I wonder if they just made a bunch of blues and it all came out a bunch of different colors. So now these are all special editions, which is fine. Like, I'm totally fine with this one because I, th- I think this looks fantastic, right? It's a great mm, color. I'm tempted. Mm. Well, just hold that thought because there's oh, more links. There's more I, links in this show, Mike. I'm going to cause myself a problem later on this show. Yeah, that's that one's going to be difficult, huh? Golly, yeah, yeah. Uh, this that's, episode that's a good is time for a break. Yeah, by our friends over at Express VPN. There are tons of VPN providers out there. 
but you want one that you can feel confident in using, one that you can trust. ExpressVPN values your privacy. They do not log your data or make any money from selling it. They don't do any of that stuff. Other services potentially could. ExpressVPN does not because they developed a technology called Trusted Server that only stores all of the data that they collect in RAM so that means that it is not saved. It's just in RAM. It's super fast too. You can stream HD quality videos with no lag. It's really easy to use. Just fire up the app, click one button, and you're connected. ExpressVPN is loved by many, including TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and more. Uh, I've been traveling. Again, been doing a lot of traveling this year. And I love having a VPN ready whenever I need it. So when I'm connected to hotel Wi-Fi, super simple to connect. I can set my smart location or I can tell ExpressVPN to to spoof to say that I'm somewhere else in case I want to be able to get access to content, right? Like if I'm traveling, I want to be able to access what's available to me on UK Netflix because I'm halfway through a show, but it's not on American Netflix. I can just have ExpressVPN tell the Netflix that I'm in a different location. Super awesome. Protect yourself today. Go to expressvpn.com slash penaddict and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash penaddict right now to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I moved this up. Let's not beat around the bush, Mike. I all saw right, this this right, morning. Right. Yeah, the, I saw it too. The Bung Box 8th anniversary. Yeah. <sighs> It's not just the 8th anniversary pin. It's the 4B pin, which if you don't know what 4B is, it's the Bung Box Blue Black Ink, which is one of my favorites, one of the greatest inks ever made, um, right up my alley. And then they've gone and made a pin related to it. And not just any pin, they've gone and run rings around the barrel and I guess lacquered in the the low parts of the ridges mm -hmm. and i mean is there even a full barrel shot of this pen like Not they're just I've showing seen. bits and parts but i guess i'm just gonna have to have another pen sell i'm i'm this is like this is so on brand for me like i have to get it right i mean it is the company with the ink that i love making the pen in one of the most unique styles um this might be, you know, without even getting it at hand, might be my second favorite behind, you know, the the original pink, the mm. original pink love. I, I this mm, one's going to be difficult I'm to get. They're doing I'm a pre-sale on their uh, mailing list thing, mm -hmm. which I don't know how to get onto. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I, it's like, do I even try? Is it worth the frustration? Like, do I, I want to run circles around this? My plan is to do what I have done in the past keep my eye on their Instagram. They'll sell what they sell and then they'll have some extras and they'll say, we're going to put them up on the website and then I'll see if I can get one. Um, I do really want it. I think it looks stunning, but Does any of the documentation say how many they're making. No, I mean, traditionally they make a hundred, but they've certainly, they're making more nowadays. They're so popular. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't seen anything to, to suggest what they're doing now. I hope it's not a hundred. <laughs> That'd be bad. Yep. Bad for yeah, you. this one, like, I just, uh, like, I saw this and I just shook my head. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, it's like, a good one, it's right? great. It's great. Yeah. It's just great. Like, no one can pull this off as, as well as Bung Box does, in my opinion. I know a lot of people do it, but man, this one's something. No, they do the very best pro gears. They just do. Yeah. Speaking of something, Mike, mm. <laughs> another thing, Twitter's, Twitter's been really good to me recently with um, lots of, uh, New Japanese links. And this one 
is a new Kuratogo, which normally I wouldn't care too, too much about, right? It's Kuratogo. They're great. They're one of the best, you know, mechanical pencils on the market. But the pictures of this made me do a double take because it might be one of the ugliest pens I've ever seen or pencils I've ever terrible. seen. It is terrible. It is just ter- terrible. I don't understand why it looks the way it does. Mm-hmm. So you've all seen mechanical pencils. You may have all seen Kuratogas. They tend to be pretty thin. Mm-hmm. This thing looks like a like a permanent marker, like a dry erase it's marker. It's like a to- it's a torpedo shape, right? It's but it's so thick, right? Well, did you? I want you to read the yeah, click yeah, in the okay. translate. Yeah, from I've got the it. Twitter. This is one of the greatest. Uh, so let's let's have it. All right, Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi Kurutoga Advance upgrade model, 1,000 yen. Introduced last night. The design is solid, but the shaft itself is lightweight. The punched grip has a thick access for a low, for a thick axis for a low center of gravity balance and good finger touch. Equipped with core brake prevention and core automatic rotation mechanism, full of good functions. Limited colors are already in stock. <laughs> so. Something's going on here, right? That they mm-hmm. they appear to have developed a new technology. Mm. They've ex- they've added a technology to their good technology, yeah. right? So they've they're already they're the twist mechanism yep. people, right? Yep. It's, oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. The it legit. No, oh, I know. I'm just explaining. Okay, like cool. it legitimately works, right? It is not a fluke technology. No, right? The Kurutoga is successful because. Of how that mechanism works. Yeah, so basically works. every time you put the pencil lead down onto onto the paper, something moves inside of the pen. When you lift it off, the lead rotates slightly. And what mm-hmm. that does is it keeps the thickness of your line consistent because usually with a uh, with a graphite mechanical pencil, you will wear down one uh, side of the of the graphite. So you end up with a very flat edge, which produces a thicker line, and a sharp edge, which produces a thinner line, which is frustrating. And what's great about the Kurotoga is that does not happen. And yep. you think to yourself, that's such a great idea. Why don't I see it everywhere? Well, I assume that Mitsubishi have that patented through the roof because mm. it is, in my opinion, like, okay, so I'm a Rotring guy. Like, I just love the Rotring 600. It's just perfect for me. But really, the only in my opinion, like the only mechanical pencil mechanism that works is the Kurutoka. Right. Because it yeah, is totally agree. so much better of an experience. Like I I really wished that Mitsubishi spent less time creating torpedoes and more time creating <laughs> bodies that are like Rotrings. Yeah. Oh, the roulette was one of the best they've ever done. I don't even know if that's still still made. It was like the sec- it was the first premium Kurutoga barrel and it's still the best. Yeah, I've never yeah. I've never liked any of their premium ones even. Like I Mm-hmm. They're good. They are nice. Mm-hmm. They're nicer, but they're they're still missing something, yeah. right? Because like the roulette is is still available, but it's like seven dollars. No, like Mitsubishi, I will pay you like fifty dollars, right? Make right. me a very good barrel. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, that, yeah. I think they're having trouble fitting the mechanism in. You know, something like mm. you would prefer like in a, to use over a rotring. I mean, true, I think that's true. what you're running up against. Mm-hmm. And then when they double down trying to put in a uh, pipe sleeve protector on this pen pencil, um, I don't know what they're doing here. Like it, it looks like half. It's it's like a half baked idea. They there have are going like on here. four steps of the like down from the grip to the to the pipe. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not a good looking pencil. This one, <laughs> um, this I is will try the one. thick pencil, the THI double C pencil. That's what we yeah. have here. I'll try one. It'll definitely be like the teal or the orange because the gray is hideous. So, yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll let that one bake a little. Yeah, bit Yeah, I need more. to see some better pictures of this because, like, yeah, I think it's a little tricky to actually understand if maybe it's the pictures are just bad, right? And it's not as thick as it looks. Mm-hmm. I can't tell yet. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. I'll, I'll grab one when, when I get the chance because, like, sometimes it's just it's so bad I need, I need to test it out for myself. So, mm-hmm. um, speaking of baking, what about a bake-like fountain pen, Mike? Do you even know what that is? I've heard of Bakelite um, mm. in the sense of being used to make like dishes and stuff. Right. I think right? that's what it was used for in the past. And that's like, that's the like a Tupperware type deal, right? You know, like yeah, cooking. A thicker, heavier duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was used for, you know, like like dishware and, and because it was servingware. Like, you could make, I guess it was like at a certain time, I think probably between the 60s and the 80s maybe, because mm-hmm. you could make nice colors and stuff. Um, yeah, I and, think even earlier, like in the earlier 1900s, like wartime. Okay. Like, I mean, like, like, like 30s, from a fashion 40s. perspective maybe. Yeah, but it could be going back that far too. You're, you're completely right. I don't know the exact time frame, but like I'm familiar with Bakelite dishware, basically. Yeah. So anyway, back in back in those early 1900s, they they tried to make pens out of that, and they did really well. Mm-hmm. Except they didn't have the long term durability, right? As you know, the ebonites and the other acrylics and you know other materials that pens were made from, they cracked and shattered pretty easily. Um, so no one's really used Bakelite, but uh, Wancher just launched a Kickstarter mm-hmm. using this material and a fountain pen, and I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with the style and the look of this. I do not have one yet. I do have one on the way to test. So I'm interested to see. It looks the material looks nice. Like it I don't this is like the long the if you pull up this Kickstarter page, there's no way any human being can read the entirety of this page. It is so long. I just got exhausted reading it. And I was trying to find I was trying to just read all the bake light parts, right? To read what they're saying about the product. And they're talking about how durable and, and strong it is. And like I believe that up front. Um, so we'll just have to see, like, no one's going to know how it, how it ages, you know, for, for a while. Um, but what impressed me the most was it's a unique design, unique enough, right? It's a traditional fountain pen look, but it has enough design cues to make it look unique. Um, it's got interesting finial work done, you know, either with, um, you know, different materials on the top. And, they spend a know, lot of time talking about that in their video, like even more than it being made yeah. of Bakelite. Yeah. Uh, they, they have like a renowned artist who's creating the finials out of this like very specific type of uh, work, right? Like it's not Make work, but like that right. kind of idea is called uh, Shipoyaki. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like this particular way of like creating these beautiful handmade pieces. And that relates to it being called seven treasures uh which refers to gold silver emerald coral giant clamshell glass and pearl those are the seven treasures and these designer elements are used and or evoked in the end pieces i thought they were going to make seven pens but they're <laughs> not they're making three um but there will be four total 
designs i think if i if right. i'm well, following fourth, it correctly the fourth design is the like the unlock right the kick, one of the kickstarter unlocks. is that a different color though yeah it's a different color it's okay like a, so they have four like total designs red that they'll be color. making yep um the i thought the price was good like this seems oh like, the price like, is fantastic yeah like i there's no wonder like this this i don't even know what the numbers are. i don't have it pulled up but i mean like yesterday afternoon when i was looking after it launched it was already like around 70 grand it's probably over 100 it's, i'm seeing seventy three thousand pounds okay. pounds okay so, so it's okay, gonna be okay. more yeah but um yeah i i mean pretty good i i'm interested in trying this out so i have it on the way they said it'll be here before the campaign's over Great. um other people have reviewed it uh Dries at the pencil case blog fig boot and aziza all have their reviews on them that seems to be you know pretty positive for what the the pen is and uh i like seeing this like this is unique enough to like move the needle for me like in a kickstarter campaign so seems good yeah i'm i'm like reserving judgment again i was like very uh very hesitant about the first one right like in so much that i never thought it was actually ever going to be made (laughs) Um, (laughs) but and then really like it ended up being that when that people got them and most people actually got them it was kind of like i don't feel cheated for the price that i paid but i was maybe hoping for more sure i I think think it's probably a fair assessment of Mm -hmm. like the overall so i am really interested to see what you feel about this one yeah. I would say, like, I'm cl- close to liking it, y- you know? like th- This this has a better chance of broader success just purely because of the price point. The price point, for sure. But, like, it's just, like, the design of it. It's a piston filler, which is cool. But, like, the design, yes. I really love the the, the Shippo art. Um, but I am... Just the body design doesn't do it for me. It's a bit, like old-fashioned in not a good way it's very traditional it it looks dated traditional i don't have a problem with it has the flavor of a parker dual fold a classic Mm -hmm. parker dual fold you know which is that retro look that you're talking about i think you know just in my my Mm. eyes so yeah yeah it's i i'm I'm just not completely sold on this one like I, i never had a problem with the look of the dream pen right like right good looking pen because it was simple and mm-hmm. like it was evoking again i think a very traditional design but there's something about this one where it's like uh, it looks like i could find it in a tray at right a pen show except for the end part yeah right. i don't know I, I i bet that this one feels really nice to hold because they talk about like when they were talking about the way that it feels warm to the touch it reminds me of the Lamy 2000. Right. Um, so yeah, I yeah. bet that's nice. But So that's, this is the conversation I have, right? It's it, There's two separate conversations. Is this a good pen? And would this work as a pen in my collection? Yeah. Right. Those are two separate conversations. Yep. The second one leans more to no, mm-hmm. while the first one is a pretty clear yes, even though I don't have it in my hand yet. And I, I still think it'll be yes, right? So, yeah. So, like, th- these are the conversations, like, we have with ourselves. It's like, yep. oh, I like this. It looks great. Is it worth me spending $250 to set it next to the sailor that I'm going to grab every time instead of it? Probably not. Right. And I think that's fair. That's a completely fair conversation to what have. What do you think about the nibs? Uh, the nibs are fine. Like they're making their own. I would get well, steel. Well, they're doing Joe's steel. 
Yeah. Or their own gold, right? Yeah. I and would they're get doing Jello steel. standard or ebonite feeds. I will. Ge- yeah. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pimp out this pen. I don't have the need for that. Yeah. Yeah. I rarely do if I have these choices. Like even the Canalea stuff, right? I, I buy steel pens, steel nibs, just because I enjoy steel nibs. And I have a lot of like varying steel nibs I can put in. It doesn't, the, the gold premium doesn't like move me to, to, to buy it. So yeah. Yeah. It's good though. I, I'm anxious to get it. It's on the way. So um, something that did arrive yesterday, Mike, which I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when is the new pencils. You should know book from Caroline Weaver. It's so good. Like this is like um, a fun, it's like your coffee table book, but like in miniature, like pencil size, like it's a full size book, but it's not like people think a coffee table book look like a giant art, huge clunking book. But the way it's presented on the inside with, you know, each two page spread has a big picture of the pencil being discussed. And then a bunch of notes on the, the pencils being discussed. I sat down with uh, for about an hour last night and was just reading through. I got it like through the first 20 or so pencils. There's 75 pencils in the book. I just love it. You know, it's like, it's like 16, 17 bucks. It's beautifully bound. The binding on it is really neat. Um, and Caroline's on the erasable podcast this week. So y'all should go, um, uh, listen to that. I just saw it downloaded in my queue. So I'm sure she talks about this book. What I like release, about, so. I don't have this so cool. book yet. I am going to buy it though. Uh, cause it looks beautiful. Like just like a great coffee table book, something good for yeah. the office. Uh, but w- what I like about it is, um, the, the, like the format. Yeah. is like a very peculiar format, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's long. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. It looks like a traveler's notebook. Just wait until you see the binding on it. It's like it's a hardcover book, uh-huh. but the spine binding is soft. Um, it's really neat. <laughs> I really like it. Huh. I keep fidgeting with with the spine and the binding, so it's like uh, kind of flexible on there. It's it's cool. Really well done. Caroline's the best. Um, she's just really damn good at her job, and uh, I appreciate her very much and all the things that she creates for us. Powerhouse. Us she that is woman a is a powerhouse. She is. All right. right. I just ordered it in Amazon UK. Cool. All right. Should we wrap up this episode with some Ask TPA? Yes. But to start the Ask TPA, Mm. I have a handwritten letter. Ask TPA. Well, not really an Ask TPA, but a most interesting letter, maybe the most interesting letter I've ever received related to this show. And I want to read it to you because it's to you too. It's, uh, I think I will leave the person unnamed. Um, I did not tell them I was doing this, but I feel like I have it uh I have it uh mostly under control here. But I would like to thank him for saying Brad and Mike and the and Mike was in parentheses. So you were a little bit of an afterthought in this, even though you know it's interesting. Kind of related to you. That's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. that's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey Brad, thanks again for the Studio Note and Pilot Custom 74. Okay, so this was a um, this was a previous uh, giveaway winner of mine. So the Pilot is an exceptional pen, an amazing writer. It looks better when paired with my favorite red ink, Robert Oster Rubine. I couldn't have asked for a better introduction to gold nib pens, and now I'm finally hooked. In gratitude for the gifts, and also hundreds of hours in, of enjoyment your podcast and blog have brought me over the years, I've included a couple of pens for you and Mike. Is the and Mike in, in, in parentheses it, again? Not, not, but I might just go in and edit it You're going to add those in? 
(laughs) These won't be the finest or fanciest pins you own, but they might be the fastest. I'm a Navy fighter pilot by training. And though I aged out of the cockpit a few years ago, a kind friend took these on a flight in a supersonic FA-18F Super Hornet on my behalf. The lovely Bic four-color pin is a favorite among fighter pilots who often need to quickly sketch out key snapshots of a dogfight in the few moments before setting up for their next engagement. What? (laughs) Just wait. Wait, wait, what? They they draw? Is that how they do that? There's an image that goes along with this that I've taken. I was sent a photograph and a diagram on this letter. So I we'll see ha- the we'll diagram that now. Now, that is absolute madness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, ball, the ballpoint inks, ink writes anywhere, and we tie a string through the lanyard hole so the pen can't come loose from our kneeboard and get stuck in the flight controls. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable with learning all of this tech, like <laughs> antique technology that's going on here. <laughs> the colors come in handy for drawing our standard engagement arrows, known collo- colloquially as spaghetti, with blue and green used for friendly jets and red and black for adversaries. While I've since switched to the high-tech C Colito, um, it says, at the suggestion of a couple of guys I heard on a pin podcast once, huh. Many Navy squadrons regularly order custom big quad pins. I just want to p- take another pause just to start <laughs> because I am uncomfortable about the idea of this individual taking a recommendation from us, <laughs> right? And then like potentially taking it into the skies only mm-hmm. to find out it doesn't work. And they're like in a dogfight and like, oh, this pen doesn't work because Brad parentheses and Mike close parentheses mm-hmm. suggested it to me. That is a very mm-hmm. uncomfortable uh, thing to think about. <laughs> I love it. Um, so uh, our Navy squadrons regularly order custom bit quad pins with their unit patch printed on the side. These pins, these pins being the specific ones I have in my hand, bear the lightning bolt of Strike University, which joins the much better known Top Gun at the Naval Air Warfighting Development Center uh, oh, based yeah. in Nevada. So this is part of this is at the location of Top Gun. Strike trains aircrew to execute large force strikes where 16 or more carrier aircraft attacked well-defended targets and training exercises that can involve up to 50 friendly and adversary jets battling in the skies over northern Nevada. Since Strike and Top Gun shared jets, there's a chance these pins flew in an aircraft used to film next year's sequel to the movie that shall not be named. (laughs) No, no, really, if you reference it at work, you have to pay a fine. (laughs) I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> My wife thoroughly enjoyed that part. I hope you don't mind passing Mike Penn's along, Mike's pen along when you see him again. Way back in the 70 decibel days, he was welcoming and patient to his newest host as I stumbled through uh, my second show as co-host of Gabe Weatherhead's. Oh, so maybe I can say this. Uh, Gabe Weatherhead's and Generational. Oh. Mike is still my favorite. Do you know who this is now? Yes. Mike is still my favorite podcaster, and I'm thrilled with the pen Atticus carrying on the 70 decibels banners into the into the 2020s. Wow. So I guess I just gave it up. This is Eric Hess. Um, so how cool is that? Eric. Wow. <laughs> I forgot about that part at the end until I reread it. <laughs> how cool is that? He's been really involved in the pen community, so I appreciate this. And I hope I don't get in trouble for just reading this, but I thought it was too special to 
to not share with everybody because it's just goes to show like the wide ranging uh, community we have. Um, so yeah, so shout out to Eric. I'll go, I'll go tag him in my, uh, I'll go tag him in my Instagram now since uh, he, he comes up all the time. So very cool, huh? That is amazing. Yep. Huh. That is one of the coolest things. Like it totally is. And I totally should have, I totally should have cleared it with him if I could read it, but I'm going to take that risk because it, it felt okay. <laughs> I cannot wait to get that pen. Yeah, it's cool. So you'll, you'll see in the image, I tried to capture the logo in there um, just so you could see what it is. Um, it's The picture has the image from the freaking cockpit um, of these two pens over Nevada. Um, you know, it's on one of those, like, uh, what are they called? The zinc? Like, is it the zero ink, you know, where you just print it out? It's probably like a sticker or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, the little diagram of the spaghetti on there, all that's in, in the picture. Um Thank you, Eric. I, I I just can't thank you enough for, for writing this and taking the time uh, to do that. It's really special to us. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Really amazing. All right, so I do have a f- few other Ask TPAs that I've, I've promised listeners I would get to. So let me hit a few, and then we'll save a few more for next week, maybe. Um, we won't quite have time to get to them all. Um, all this Curidas talk uh, really absorbs a lot of our, our show time these days. <laughs> but this one from Adam says, in your 2013 review of Sailor Blue Black, you are hesitant and equivocal. But now it's number one in your top five Blue Black inks list, where you say that is the dictionary definition of Blue Black. Have your Blue Black tastes changed over time, or is this a case where the top five lists are recommendations, not personal preferences? So the lead-in paragraph of the top five list states that these are recommendations, not personal preferences. I've drawn a very clear line and I saved this question for today because now I am expanding on this and I've just updated this specific top five blue black list in a Tuesday tool set post. We'll save this conversation for next week. We don't have time to get into like the whys and hows I'm doing this. It'll be a good topic for next week. The top five update, it's finally happening and I'm going to do it section by section and you can see, um, the biggest change and why I wanted to bring up this question is that Sailor Blue Black is gone off this list. And we'll save that uh, for next week because that's mm. a longer discussion. All right. Embryo says, Embryo, um, wow, I don't think that's really meant that way. Um, what is it about Sailor Nibs that make them so awesome? I'm a little over a year into my addiction. I've collected three Sailor Pro, Pro Gears, a Pelican M605, a Pilot Vanishing Point, some Twisbees, Kavakos, and a Y Studio. All amazing pins, but the Pro Gear Nib is just head explode emoji. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is, Mike? Incredible Japanese engineering. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will will latch onto like a specific nib. What what it what I've found and why I like them so much is because they match my handwriting style, right? There's a firmness that the Sailor nibs have that not all manufacturers have. And I've also and personally it suits found my style. the consistency of those like nib to nib is almost unparalleled, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think that there are many companies that can give you a writing experience across multiple pens that feels so consistent um Mm -hmm. you know like i i really genuinely it's one of the things that i love about them so yep so yeah i mean you know not every everyone will have the same experience that you and i have but i think it boils down to you found something that fit your style better than anything else and you know it the moment you feel it and Mm -hmm. for a lot of people that is sailor Mm -hmm. without doubt 
Yep. So uh, Coach Albino says, what's my best option to fix misaligned tines on my 3776 with a soft fine nib? I live in Connecticut. I'm assuming pin shows, but not likely for me until the Commonwealth show. Should I send it to a nib repairs? websites and into a pin shop that does repairs so i brought up this question for a, a few reasons um number one if the tines are misaligned you i don't have a direct link but you can search on youtube you can manipulate this yourself you know yeah. you can clean out clean out the pin well the tines are a little bit different like you can adjust them with your thumb very carefully and get a better get them lined up now if they're, if they're messed up like really bad and you don't want to deal with that it's no problem to send it to someone who does nib work like uh, Mark Backus at Nib Grinder, Dan Smith at Nib Smith, or any host of other, you know, uh, nib uh, repair people or nib grinders that we have do, do work on our pins. This would be right up their alley. It would be a very easy fix just to realign the tines and like the turnaround on something like that should be, you know, it depends on their cues, but you know, hopefully just a few weeks, maybe a month. And it's very consistent, very good service you get from anyone um, that we recommend uh, doing that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I would, I would consider that. But if you're feeling a little bit frisky, a tine misalignment can be done by yourself. Just go watch a video on it. Um, It's not as intimidating as it sounds. This question comes from Evan. My first question, in all my years as a listener, and it's mostly an ask for Mike, my son is left-handed and I have brought him into the pen fold. He is ready for his first fountain pen and he is left-handed. I know that Lamy has left-handed nibs, but I really wanted to get him a sailor pen. So Mike, you're the sailor expert. Is this a reasonable choice? And if so, what nib works for you in a sailor pen? I mean, I yes, I don't get any of my sailors adjusted for my left-handedness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's all, it, it does things get a little bit more complicated as a left-handed person and a right-handed person about like the way you hold a pen. But mm-hmm. I I think one of the reasons that sailor nibs work so well for me is because of how well they're made and like the ink flow and stuff. I think ink flow is really important when you're left-handed. Um, and like pressure and stuff like that, these things can actually really affect the experience. Uh, I would say to go with a medium sailor, and I reckon that that it'll be just fine. Yep. I think it's, so they do make left-handed nibs, but I think it's a misconception that a left-handed fountain pen user requires a specialty nib. I've I've never used one. I own one. I've never put it in a pen, right? So like... I, my entire collection of fountain pens is full of just right-handed nibs if such a thing was to exist. So <laughs> I don't think it's necessary, but I do think thicker is better um, and because it requires less like specific contact, right? Because uh, there's like a larger surface area of the nib that you can use and, and the ink will flow more easily. Uh, these are the things that I've personally found can be helpful to me and i think is why i tend to prefer mediums because you know like i talk about like fines and extra fines being super scratchy to me it's because i just don't hold them at the right orientation for them to work effectively and they catch like on the paper so mm-hmm. i would say to go with a medium and i reckon you'll be great or i mean broad will also be great um i guess it depends on what he likes uh if you if he's not used japanese pens before and maybe used european mediums then go with abroad uh but i would typically recommend a, a medium yep i agree with that all right last one for today storm gorelli do you look out for pins in tv series and movies if so what have you spotted so i absolutely do right um, i mean it's if, just... I, if i notice them i don't seek them out but like if i see yeah. something that i recognize it will like spark in my mind 
Yeah, and I don't always see them myself, but I get a lot of them on Twitter. Um, so a lot of people will say, "Hey, I saw this pin in, in X show." I remember what was there was there was an Amazon Space series um, last year or something. Yeah, the Expanse, and they I think it ended up being a Sailor Pro Gear that they were using on there, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, I get a lot of screen caps from political uh, situations, you know, where we avoid the politics, but we still want to know what pin is this that this person's waving around maniacally. Just a Sharpie, and, uh, I think, is the yeah. typical span <laughs> of use these days. <laughs> so, yeah, we got into like a Pelican conversation last week. The, and I I think this guy might have been using like it almost looked like a knockoff type pin. It was funny. Like we drug in Joshua from the Pelican's perch uh, trying to sort this pin out. But um yeah, so I love seeing that type of stuff. I'm watching uh, Peaky Blinders right now, so they just, um, you know, this is in the right after World War One, so they're starting to use a few interesting things that I haven't quite pinpointed down yet. So I'll, I'll keep my eyes out. But yeah, I love that stuff, and I mostly get them sent on sent to me on Twitter, and I think it's pretty cool. All right, if you want to send in a question for a future episode, you can email them to hello at penaddict.com or you can just tweet them with the hashtag AskTPA and they'll be included in a future episode. If you want to find Brad online, go to penaddict.com. He's at dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M on Twitter. You can also find him. He's penaddict on Instagram. And Brad streams on live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash penaddict at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you go and check that out as well. Uh, or go to knock.co for Brad's uh, wonderful works or spokedesign.com. Yeah. That did it. Uh, I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, even more Curidas. We're going to go back to Curidas Corner, uh, <laughs> talk about that for a bit. Um, but I'm going to be having one in hand, so I will have a lot to say, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, look forward to that next time, I guess. Until then, <laughs> say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>